This is a WTF podcast experience. Those who want to achieve anything, who's willing to experience the highest level of pain and failure to be able to learn as fast as you can. And most of us don't, you know, we want to stay comfortable. We don't want to experience it. You have to experience the bad to know the good. Welcome to Taming the Ferrets, New Zealand's most awarding business podcast. A collection of ferrets is called a business, and here on New Zealand's most awarded business podcast, we are taming the ferrets once and for all. We invite entrepreneurs, leaders, and inspirational figures to inform, educate, motivate, and inspire. My name's Freddie Bennett. I am an Englishman in New Zealand, entrepreneur, author, and wannabe podcast host. Today, dear listeners, we have got a real treat for you. We are inviting Karnika leadership here into the studio. We do say many guests are called, but few are chosen. And I am super, super excited about inviting these two gentlemen into Taming the Ferrets today. Guys, welcome to get things started off. It'd be great for you just to introduce yourself and and tell us a bit about your business. Awesome. Thanks, Freddie. Uh, nice to be here with you today. Um, that was a really nice introduction, sort of uh, give some nice clarity. So a little bit about uh, Kanuka. We really do just two or three simple things. We help people get well, stay well, and perform under pressure. And so we do that via a number of different mediums, but essentially through coaching and through workshops. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we do, I guess, in terms of our, our mahi and our work. Um, me personally, my wife and our four kids, we live out in Katikati and so we're a little bit out of the metropolis but we do enjoy the lovely 60 minute drive to Tauranga which uh, <laughs> seems to be extending almost beyond 60 minutes which I do recall a couple of years ago when it was about 25. So um, it's all good though, it's all good, love living here in the Bay. Mm. Perfect, welcome. And an Awurumu? Yeah, well, it's good to be on here. Glad that we made the chosen amount of people. <laughs> you, are, you are the chosen. Glad we're one the of best. the chosen, <laughs> which is cool. Um, I'm from here, so Mawa o te maunga, tauranga te moana, ngā te rangini o te iwi, ngā tamarawa o te hapu. Uh, so hiurio o te tauranga moana, o te moana nei. So from here, grew up here, and yeah, all our whānau's here now, and my wife and I moved back with our six kids about 12 years ago, and we're back in the bay, which is awesome. And doing this mahi, which we really enjoy. So, yeah. Perfect, and welcome both of you. And I'd love to to dig a bit deeper into into how you started Karnika. And I think I know we we've spoken before. And I'm such a, a massive fan and an advocate of of helping people to 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 get well, stay well, both physically and mentally, both at home and and at work. When did the the idea start to, to come to you both as to you know, this was a real need and, and something that you that you needed to, to create? It's a good question. We kind of, well, yeah, we've both been in it for a long time as far as working with people. Like one of our key values is deep connection, right? So getting to the root cause of something is really important to us. I used to be a pharmacist back in the day and I didn't really like giving out medicines for symptoms, right? So this was a, how do we get a bit more proactive in that space and help people to be well before they need medicines, right? So then I ended up doing the whole gym thing and owned a gym, did personal training, all that. And so it kind of started way back then, um, this whole idea of connecting deeply with people, getting to the root causes and being a bit more strategic around how we help people instead of just all of the tactical-based kind of offerings that are out there, which are very much, here's some tips and tricks for you, Mm. do some of these and you'll be sweet. 
um, we're kind of a bit more, yeah, that's cool, but what's that, what's that actually addressing? And how do we get to address the root cause? Yeah. Is this something you were both passionate about from, from a young age, or, or is this something that, that, that grew, as I say, as, as your life experience and your work experience developed? Mm. Deep connection, I think, was really important for me um, at an early age <clears throat> when I'm thinking about you know, different experiences. And then as I worked, um, finished secondary school and got a job um, sort of in the agriculture, horticulture sector, uh, worked in that space for some time and then did some, um, got some different leadership responsibilities and then did some study. Then when I was looking back, I realised actually the reason that I was able to succeed and secure good work opportunities and growth opportunities within organisations was all about the deep connection and trust. And so although at the time it wasn't like an aha moment, it's more in the future looking back going, oh, okay, now I can sort of see, I guess, the um, the interest in that space or um, that aspect which was really quite important to me. Perfect. And I think you're you're absolutely spot on with that whole deep connection and, and trust. And something that I, I feel personally is sometimes missing in, and we speak about this sometimes on the podcast with many people looking for a quick fix. And that might be a mm. quick fix in terms of their their health, their finances, yeah. their their careers, their, their 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 sleep, or whatever it is. How how their relationships their relationships as well being being a key one. And yeah. how how does someone build that that deep connection and trust when? And I'm going to try and sound not as old as I am, dear listener, because I am uh, older than I sound and and I look. But um, how how does someone that's used to this Instagram world of getting everything on demand whenever you want it whenever you need it how how do they build that that slower deeper trust and connection yeah that's a good question and what we've realized over the last several years of doing this kind of mahi like getting getting to root causes is that people actually need to slow down long enough to think long enough Mm. to actually get to some of that stuff and generally a lot of the stuff that we're doing a day-to-day um you know is the kind of instagram convenience generation uh, that we are in the society that we're living in now is we get so busy being busy that we just don't make time to be still long enough to hear or feel or understand what we actually need to work on mm-hmm. and that's across the board like we, we, we work with lots of different people um, in a lot of different positions as far as leadership goes but also across different backgrounds but pretty much we could say if there was one thing that would get everyone to do, it's slow down long enough to have some good thinking about what you actually need to be working on. Mm. You might need some initial help to get well, but to stay well, it's a whole different story. And that's getting to the root causes. So for us, the deepening connection, the relationships come through us being consistent, being trustworthy, being you know doing what we say we're going to do, until it gets to the point where people trust us enough to go, okay, I'm willing to look at the stuff that I've probably been hiding for a long time. Mm. And when you say stuff that the people have been hiding, do you mean in terms of of emotionally? Unresolved, of yeah. Feelings? yeah. Unresolved emotional issues or concerns that, you know, stuff, whether it's relationships or work or health or money or whatever it is for them, there's generally some stuff that they've put over there and being busy helps me not worry about that over there. 
Mm. It's something that, that I've, I've personally seen, certainly uh, people that uh, either will bury themselves in work yeah. or with things, you know, even exercise in some cases, yeah. stuff like alcohol as well. People will always look for, for a distraction to to say they're having to face something that could be quite painful in uh, in the short term, having to, to address and resolve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is what trauma is really about, isn't it? Like it's how we've responded to a situation, what's happening internally to us. Um, it's quite a, yeah, that's a, quite a, that's a cool corridor to have. You know, why, why do we do the things that we do? Definitely. Why do we keep doing what we do and even though it's not good for us? Mm. <laughs> Usually it's around avoiding the pain. Right? So, yeah, that's a good corridor to have. We're so focused on our experience um, and not necessarily on the growth we can get or the learnings we can get from our experiences as well. So we <clears throat> are too busy in the moment getting our endorphin fix from our device or whatever we're sitting on and or our endorphin fix from exercise neglecting or ignoring the other components of our life we aren't addressing rather than, mm, I keep having this recurring set of experiences, maybe there's something here that I need to learn from it. That's the idea of you, you, you've got 20 years experience. Great. Is that because you've lived the same year 20 times? <laughs> or because you've actually got 20 years of experience, i.e. you've been learning and growing from all your experiences year on year, compounding interest. Mm. And, and as part of that, do you feel there is, an, and I know this is slightly a, a cliche, but talking about things like embracing change and, and stepping out of, of someone's comfort zone, is is that something that you feel could be could be beneficial or... Does it have to be done in, in the right way to try and not be, be always living those those same experiences again and again? Yeah. So there's a question around how do we help, how do we how do we actually get people to come out of that and mm. do all the make changes and be out your comfort zone kind of thing? For us it's kind of around um, if a person the first thing we work on with people is really their personal foundation. Mm. Right. So for in Te Māori, we call that your tūranga waiwai, your place of standing, the place for you that is is the point at which you can, from then, extend out, extend out, right, outside mm-hmm. your comfort zone. But if you don't have a good, solid base of what that is for yourself, pretty hard to just change, 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 because you're always moving, moving, changing, mm-hmm. changing, but you're never feeling comfortable in who you are or where you are. It's a great point, and... Um I am currently reading a book and I can't remember who wrote it, but it's called Straight Line Leadership. I'm not sure if either of you have heard of it. I will definitely find out who wrote it and (laughs) and recommend it on this podcast. But it talks about many of us and maybe it's something to do with the the, the modern way of of working and living. We're always thinking about the goal, the goal. Where are you going? Mm. Where are you heading to? But we don't think about the the place that we're coming from and the place that we are at the moment. And what would you say if there is someone who might be struggling with uh, always putting themselves under under pressure, always under stress, never you know, not sleeping properly, all these different symptoms as such? How do they just take that that first step to really understand where they're at and and to to address the situation? It's quite quite nice. I think you know if you're wanting to consider anything, the first step is always awareness, right? Mm. So sometimes you don't have any idea actually what you are doing on a day-to-day basis. You're just in your mode, you're on the on the wheel and you're just carrying on, carrying on, carrying on until all of a sudden you can't. Um, and so a nice way to get awareness is to record a particular area that you might, um, you might choose thinking, man, I've been neglecting X for a while. 
why don't you write that down? Or you might think, oh, maybe I spend too much time on my device. This would be a really good one. Mm. If you wrote down um, every time you hopped on social media during the day, you recorded mm. that, um, you'd be horrified in a week uh, how much time you'd spent on that. So if you did that first to get an awareness, and then a second piece could be is don't have your device near you um, an hour before you go to bed. Don't have it in your bedroom with you in order to wake up in the morning. So you jump on your phone and speed up your mind and start going Mm. when you're in a nice slow state. So that would be one that you could do. Firstly, consider, write down how much, (laughs) Mm. how much time you spend on it. And then you'll be like, oh, far out. And then secondly, okay, what's a small, simple step that I can do that can cause, uh, start to give me some control in terms of my addiction, which... Mm. That's pretty common. Definitely. And and it probably won't be a bombshell to, to, to you two or the, the podcast listeners that yeah. I, I am actually from England. And um, and I have that situation where with the time difference, yeah. I wake up in the morning and, and I, I try and, and not do this. But on some days I do. Not only do I switch on my phone, but I then look at my phone and I'm just hit by 12 hours work, like a whole working day's worth mm-hmm. of emails whatsapp messages and everything like it's it's like coming back from a holiday every single morning <laughs> when you just get hit by 12 hours worth of stuff and yeah. you kind of think wow that's that's a really good way that i've created for myself to really feel out of control yeah um, and, <laughs> and, and it's great i've that's really i've really uh, I've, I've failed with pride on uh, on that one but yeah. i think that the aspect of control i find it is so interesting because i both in, in, in this role and in, in my more corporate career of the past, it's speaking to a lot of people who who maybe overtly or covertly indicate that their life is out of control. So they say things like, I'd love to spend the weekend playing with my kids, but I but, can't. Yeah. Yes, but I can't do this, but I can't do that. I'd love to unpack that with with two experts such as yourselves around how how do we really start to get the control back and, and feel that we you know, we can start saying no to things we can prioritize our our health and our families when when there's so many other distractions around. That's a good question. Yeah, like Steve said, awareness is definitely the first part, and you've got to you've got to. And a lot of people do probably have that, like you say, if they're saying something like, "I'd love to dot dot dot," but dot 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 mm. dot. Right, so they've got some level of awareness already. It's they're really the thing is around. Okay, well, what's the smallest action you could take to start progressing that? Um, you know, awareness. If it doesn't lead to action, it's a waste of time. Right? Mm. You, you can be aware all you like. You can become the most aware person in the world. Great, but if you take no action on any of that stuff, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. Um, the problem is, too many times we're so ambitious with what we think we're going to do differently mm. that. Um, we choose the ambitious failure over the incremental change, which is far more sustainable. Mm. And so we don't, because it's such a small little step, we think, it doesn't really count, does it? You know, I'd love to spend the whole weekend with my kids. How about we start with five minutes? Oh, that's just a waste of time. Why would I even try five minutes? I'm trying to Mm. do the whole weekend. Well, what have you done for the last six months? Let's add all that up, you know. Yeah. Zero. Cool. So five minutes is still better than zero, right? So, mm. you know, and then once you get them in the pattern of, and for us, it's exactly the same thing we do for us. How do we keep it long term while we do the little stuff consistently? Mm. Right? Small things done consistently is always the key. You know? And so when we do that, we can look back and go, far out. 
I'm actually progressing, you know, mm. because not because like I've made a big difference in my kids' lives, but just because I've done five minutes every day for the last seven days. Definitely. And then you build the momentum that way. Mm. And so really it's awareness first, and then it's around, what am I going to do? Small, simple, but consistent. I love it. And and speaking of, of those small, consistent steps, I'd love to know a bit more from you two in terms of the, the, the history of, of your business and in terms of how, how you two came together and, and went from what I imagine must have been a, a need and an idea to, to, to the successful uh, groundbreaking business that you have now. Yeah, so we did quite a few different things actually, like, um, but we've always been in this kind of uh, space where we are working with people and getting to deep connection. Like, like I say, that's a key value for us, deep connection, getting to root causes. We did that uh, in a couple of other formats via a couple of other programs we used to run. One was helping people to address reading concerns or be able to read in a better way or have more comprehension because we saw there was a need in that space. We did some stuff in that area. And then we're like, well, there's another need over here. People are helping. There's another need over here. How do people create the right environment and their teams for people to feel good about progress at work? There's another need there. How do we do that? So then, you know, like you say, it's just made some small little changes as we progress. But you know, when we look back, you know, seven years ago, we're in a way different space than we were then. Mm-hmm. The difference for us really is not so much what we're doing, but how we're doing it. You know, and so we, we've been far better now at being more strategic around how we actually do what we do, um, but more around a bit more discerning around who we choose to work with, mm. uh, a bit more, you know, understanding about what we actually expect to see as progress. Mm. <laughs> As opposed to, we can just carry on doing this forever. No, we want to see how people are progressing. So, yeah, I think there's been a few of those changes. We've made those tweaks as we've gone along, but it's certainly started from us trying a couple of different things and getting used to each other. Mm. So took me a long... <laughs> <laughs> so seven years of no. But yeah, it's, it's a process of getting to know each other, understand each other's strengths and, mm. and areas for improvement, and then being able to work together in a way that makes sense for us and for the people that we serve and making sure that it still fits with our whanau, with our families. Mm. I think you make a, a great point in terms of, of, of working in partnership because mm. there are many, many examples, some examples I'm quite familiar with of, of people that either come together as a pair or a three or a small team and and it's all very exciting at the start when you've got the big goals and the ambition and things are going well, but but then you do have different values different visions different ways of working and and it's not always successful but but no. you two clearly have made a, a big success and what do you think that that secret is is it lots of trust? failure it's, yeah lots of failure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lots of failure lots of things didn't work so maxwell's at failing forward eh? he talks about mm. that john maxwell and so that's the one you've got to be <clears throat> if you're wanting to achieve anything you want to those who want to achieve anything, who's willing to experience the highest level of pain and failure. And so um, in order to be able to learn as fast as you can, and most of us don't, you know, we want to stay comfortable. We don't want to experience it. Both um, Wittemu and I have experienced pain in working in collaborations with individuals where that was really difficult Mm. Um, and um, was challenging, you know. So you have to... You have to experience the bad to know the good. Mm. So we've we've both done that, and we 
um, intentionally work to build, maintain, and um, I guess reinforce the trusting relationship that we have with each other. Mm. Yep. So that's not it's not something that just happens. We intentionally do that, and we spend energy and time doing that, being together, talking about stuff, sharing where pieces of the business are at, where the team members are at. So that we're continually realigning, realigning. You know, it's not like it's like an airplane, right? You hear that analogy. You don't mm. just bing. You're making micro course adjustments the whole way in the journey. And you have to ex- invest the energy to do that. If you don't, <clears throat> then you you end up with what you end up with. Mm. Yeah. And and if you you know, if you're not really considerate about who you are in business with, if you, because it's low-hanging fruit, it just seems like that'll just be a good idea rather than really thinking through it. I think that's coming back to the concept of, you know, we're in a rush. We don't think things through thoroughly so that we can follow through then. Mm. As in second order, third order consequences of particular decisions. Yeah. And then, yeah, what could be the outcomes of those? Yeah. Picking up on on that, I think it's a really interesting point, and and we're going to move. You you made a uh, something earlier you were saying as well about choice. And I think this is is really powerful. And you said as as a business, you choose who you work with. And I think to, to pick up what you were saying as well, Steve. There's a lot of businesses at the moment, especially in, in 2022, that have we've come out of and are still maybe going through a, a tough economic climate. They're just like money, money, cash, clients. I don't care who you are. I don't mm-hmm. care what mm-hmm. your values are. If if you've got money and you can pay for our services, we'll take you on. And I think that's quite a short-term view. But one thing that's always struck me about your business is that measured long-term view of, you know, are these people who we would choose to, to work with? Are these clients that, you know, we can, we can help to change it? Could you explain a bit more about that? Because I think that's a real revolutionary attitude in terms of that. Again, we talk about control, and that's how I see you, you get that real control of, mm. of your business growth. Yeah, don't get me wrong. We've been through that stage, like, <laughs> yeah. we're 100%. Like, we'll take anything, anyone. Like, we're just doing everything. As long as they have a pulse. Yep. <laughs> Let's do it. You know, <laughs> yeah. we're into it. We definitely went through that, and it took us a couple of years to go, hmm, is this really the right way to do what we want to be doing long term? And like Steve said, that, that was lots of different incremental shifts over time to get to the point to say, Okay, we're going to decide now not to work with people. Okay, how do we say no? <laughs> in, in a nice way. In a nice way, yeah. but at the same time, be okay with not taking on that extra cash or the money, even mm-hmm. though we definitely want to do that right now. We're like, mm, that's not going to work for us long term. Oh, but maybe it will. <laughs> <laughs> right, but we've had to be quite... Um, we've had to put some rules in place, I guess you could say, for us. So we're like, no, nah, bro, we're not doing that. Mm. And then when when one of us says, "Oh, but why couldn't we just da, 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 da? well because we decided that dot 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 mm. yeah. right?" So then we're, we're constantly pulling each other up on it still, just to make sure that hey, we're, we're sticking to this, you know. Like, mm. and when you have um, you know clients um, that because it's really a partnership, right? So it's, uh, it's a relationship, and there needs to be give and take on both um, sides. <clears throat> so when you you know, you work with or peer with clients that actually it's not really a fit. Mm. And so it then consumes lots of energy. Like if you're bringing more to the table than they are all the time, then it's actually burning out your energy and resource. And there's others that there could be a real fantastic symbiotic relationship or fit that you could find. 
but you're not looking for them because you're tied up consuming your energy in this mm. space. And I know that we've had, um, I can name, well, I won't name, but some CEOs <laughs> of senior leaders and uh, different large organisations, some mm. in the Bay, some not in the Bay, who have um, came to us and said, hey, look, we need some stuff and we need it like in a couple of weeks and we want it across all our teams and stuff like that. And we went, hmm. No thanks. You guys are really good. We like the money you guys are about, but we don't think we're a fit because this isn't a long-term piece here, mm. and we know we work best in long term. Now you might think <clears throat> the outcome of that would be that we just walked away from a large chunk of cash. Actually, it doesn't tend to work that way. So mm. when you actually stand for something rather mm. than just anything, individuals and groups that you resonate or you resonate with. They, they feel that, they get that, they're interested in that. That same organisation came back to us again um, and then we talked about our longer-term potential strategy to work together on and we are near the conclusion of setting up that piece of work which will go on for you know, a few years rather than just the short-term little piece that we need right now, mm-hmm. which is quite hard to do when you're in the survival state. You know, you're trying to survive. You're just thinking, man, I just need something. You actually takes real discipline to push back, mm. to step back, to uh, get perspective from altitude. I think you're right. There, there's a, a saying that says, um, "If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything." Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a key one. And I think a lot of businesses don't do that, as you say. It's that that short term view that. Yeah. It's easy to talk about values and and your ideal client and everything else. And then when someone's there with a with a check in their hand, or because we don't live in 1980, it's probably yeah. 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 I can't remember. I think my, my granny sent me a check back in in 2014 or something. But um, nice. I think when a client is or a potential client is there, say, mm. look, I'm trying to give you money. Yeah. To turn around and say this isn't right for us, I think is is a powerful thing. But I, I say I'm a big believer as well that. Sometimes by saying no is you can lead yourself to, to, to beg bigger and better things. Well, to say, um, we, you know, we all have only a limited amount of energy uh, and mm. time. So to say no enables you to say yes. So when you say no to certain pieces, you get to say yes to stuff that's really right in your wheelhouse. Mm. And there's a um, a deeper connection you can build and don't get me wrong we build the connection and then we get on with the work with mm. the clients as well but it's that deep connection that enables you to ride over the inevitable humps that come in a business relationship mm. you know um, whereas if that's not there if it's just purely transactional good luck definitely yeah I think we, we talk a lot about you know, things like deep connection trust mm. building relationships do you think that is something that, that can truly be taught to anyone? I think in the initial piece, yes, that could be true. That some are more naturally that way, and that's cool. Mm. Um, but 100% it can be learned. Like, there's no doubt that you can learn the skills and develop the qualities mm. to allow them to have deeper and, and better quality of relationship, 100%. Mm. The, and from a, you know, a business lens <clears throat> or a relational lens in any um, facet of your life if you're wanting to retain quality team members mm. it's worth the investment to improve um, how you build deep connection and trust with your team members yeah you know we <clears throat> we do some work 
uh, quite a bit of work actually in the uh, planning, engineering, surveying and architect space. Mm. Now those are particular disciplines uh, that have a huge amount of demand on them and work not only now but at least for the next decade. Mm. And so there's, uh, you know, our borders have been closed up till now so getting really uh, and securing all the team members you need in order to be able to accomplish all the projects that are available in New Zealand has been really tough. So you want to retain them, you want to attract them and retain them, develop or improve um, how you connect, how you communicate, how you build those relationships that are sustainable. And I think that that's a key point because, again, something that we've, we've picked up in, in other episodes of, uh, of Taming the Ferrets is that the, the, the talent shortage at the moment, and there's a lot of businesses that are looking for some specific skills to, to help them grow. And, and so the, the impression I get as maybe something of, a, of, a, of an outsider still into the Bay is that employers really need to, to go the extra mile to, to hold on to their, their top talent. And it's, Something I get I saw on the corporate career that sometimes the the, the members of, of staff or the employees that stay might not be the, the top talent. It's, it's mm. the people that are do have the, the skills, the ambition and the drive. They're the ones that will say, right, if I'm not getting what I need here, then, then I'm going to go somewhere else. Think of, of, of how we are in, in the Bay at the moment economically. What do you think employers can be doing to make sure that their their top people do stay and learn and, and thrive in their positions that's a great question yes that's exactly <laughs> the kind of stuff that we do we've said this to so many people mm. so many leaders so in, in a raft of different businesses but in particular with planners engineers architects and surveying space which is spend time with them regularly like have one-on-one time to actually nurture the right environment and their relationship within a team for them to say so many people not doing it like mm. it's ridiculous how many times we've said this to people just just start having one on one oh but we're busy oh I've got so many things oh I've got all these projects to do yeah cool cool a month later they're leaving mm-hmm. if you just had a conversation with them and said that you were going to do that consistently for you know every week or something as small as that once a week it might be 15 minutes 10 minutes mm. right to actually find out about how that person is doing not to go hey here's the next bit of work that you need to do mm. Yeah, I agree. And it's um, sometimes, well, certainly in those in those disciplines, it's a billable hour model. And so, yeah. you know, our time is um, invoiceable time to clients. <laughs> and so the thinking is, well, if I'm potentially with you, talking to you, you're not doing any billable work and yeah, neither am I doing any billable work. <laughs> um, and so maybe we shouldn't be doing that. But if you want to attract and retain them, you need to spend some time. And I guess I'm on this podcast today. So 101, um, if anyone's listening to get started in that space, is this is level one coaching is put it in the calendar to have some one-on-one time with a team member. Mm. Follow through, keep the commitment. <laughs> this is what you have to do. Mm. Just those, put it in the calendar, follow through on the commitment, and then speak 25% of the time. That's it. If you do that, mm. you've achieved level one coaching. Amazing. A lot of people are not doing level one coaching. No. And it's it's crazy. <laughs> and I think, but it's true. And it's again, I in in my corporate world from from back in the day, we did a lot around you know, change and leadership and communication and, and and all these aspects. And and 
there was an element of people and, and some leaders saying, ah, oh, you know, that, that's the soft and fluffy stuff. That they yeah. would say, oh, you know, that, that, that's the people side of things. We don't do that because we're builders or we're architects or you know, we're, we're the masters of the universe. And, but it's saying, but yeah, you, you're going to be the master when, when all your employees leave. But I think also it's about prioritising. So I know a lot of people that will say, well, when, when we're less busy, mm. then we'll have the one-to-one conversation. Yeah. And obviously <laughs> yeah. that, that will never happen. And so you say that it's about prioritising it and making sure yeah, this, this goes in the diary and it, and it doesn't move. Mm. Yeah, there's that line of thought that your employees are your first clients, right? Mm. And if you look after them, they look after your, your clients or the rest of that kind of idea. But too many people, um, yeah, so many leaders don't do it. It's just not happening in... We're like, just do this. Just make time. Just put it in your calendar. No. <laughs> no. They don't say no, but they're like, okay, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, your, your team is, you know, the creation, they're the creation of all value in your entity. So, yeah. yeah. And you think, again, thinking long term, that, that leader might be thinking, well, that's a billable half hour for, mm-hmm. for me and for you, but they don't think in six months down the line that engaged employee that feels valued they've just won a, a contract for yeah. $50,000 or it. however that works and it is that that longer term aspect well they haven't left and we don't have to spend a whole lot of time finding someone else to replace them training mm. them it's a huge cost yeah. in, in, re, in training and then getting in with the systems within your organisation and people getting up to speed you know often takes at least two to three months in that particular in those sectors so it's a loss of productivity. It's a loss of productivity. So there's three. We did some research actually, particularly in that area. And then there were three main um, challenges that came up, and uh, we had um, an intern doing the research for us across the space. And um, it was the well-being and sustainability of team members because mm-hmm. of the pressure, the amount of workflow. It's the productivity. The actual fact, individuals in those spaces, they. They get paid decent salaries. <laughs> you know, they get paid a chunk of change, and so they're a reasonable fixed cost to the business. And so you want to be able to get, you know, the best productivity that you can out of them in that space. And then the other was the um, the leadership development of them and succession plans mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So those were the three areas um, that were really critical um, in the engineering spaces is really strong, as well as the others that we've mentioned, the surveying and planners architects those three areas are where you need to spend energy and time mm. yeah. i think it, it's it's key and i'm reminded of the the work by um have you read the, the book drive by dan pink mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk yeah. there and you know uh, compensation and salary is obviously a factor and you have to make sure that people are, are well comp- or adequately compensated for for their mm. for their jobs but then on top of that it is about giving them the the conditions, the challenge, the learning, the support, all of these other non-financial things that, that so many employees or so many employers just think that's their job. I'll pay them that amount of money. They're going to be happy. But I think it, there's, there's so much more. You know, they're like, what, what are you complaining about? I'm, I'm paying you this yeah. amount every year. And, yeah. and they don't understand the the deeper complexities and and say so the, the the challenges that we all face to, to feel that we do have that drive and that we are fulfilling that in, in our roles every day. Yeah, mm. and so many don't feel valued at work, mm. right? So then, when you don't feel valued, it becomes about the money, and so you might be there for that money now, but you'll take the the money if it goes somewhere else, mm. right? You'll just leave that place heartbeat, go somewhere else for the money. If the if the focus becomes the money, then it remains the focus, right? But if you're mm. like, hey, 
let's get this out of your mind by paying you what you're worth and then we'll set the right environment for you to feel valued mm. and you'll you'll start to contribute back, you know. The Gallup research, you know, talked heavily about that the people, the the number one isn't the, the reason they're leaving, isn't the money. Mm. It's mm. the it's the feeling valued, you know, yep. and the work that they're engaged in. The money does do that to a degree, but it's not the entirety of it. Mm. Um, the other piece of the research also, which talked to, was the uh, um, the loss of productivity. Okay. Yep, the loss of productivity in terms of teams not being fully engaged, and which again is reinforced by the relationship you connect with your team members, and they're part of the journey that you're on as well. Mm. Yeah. Present but absent. Yes. And do do you feel on on that that team culture aspect? I mean, mm. we we see it in in work teams. We also see it in sports teams that whole concept of their. Yeah, in England, they called it you know, a, a bad apple as such. It, there may be one person having a negative impact on that team culture. Let's mm. um, say we, we see it in, in sport and, and work and yeah, sometimes in, in, in the home as well. Do you feel that, that is that a real thing? And if so, if, if anyone is listening saying, we think we have one person who's, who's dragging the culture down, how, how do you address that? I'm gonna, there's probably a couple of things that I'm going to go at. Um, I recognise that's a big question. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's fine. But um, for me, you know, there's if you look at you talked about influence, the influence you have on mm. things or the control you have on things. So the direct control you you have on is your own behaviour, right? Indirect mm. controls other people's behaviour. Things that are. Um, sort of fixed uh, situational realities or the past although you can impact on how you see those or Mm. what the meaning you have from those so the bit you have direct control over is your behavior it's how you interact with others that's all Mm. in your sphere of influence so that's number one so how am I looking at the situation how am I going about how am I communicating what am I doing in this often we say the problem's over there sure as heck can't be me mm. I'm the boss you must be the problem mm, maybe maybe not um, so step number one is yourself step number two then is okay cool let's establish a relationship of connection that we can have a real dialogue about what we're needing to happen in mm. this interaction in terms of this workspace likewise in your family You've got to have the trust, the connection, uh, the love to be able to have real conversations about stuff that matters. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That. the first thing, yeah, definitely. That's what it's about. It's the getting that connection right. I'd say, you know, that, that how you're perceiving the bad apple, <laughs> inverted commas, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? Because first of all, it's, it's, is it a bad apple or is it a bad environment that's right mm. enabled that bad apple to flourish definitely <laughs> or to grow rotten super quickly mm. right so there's the environmental influence like have you created the right environment or not but then there's also the ones who are actually just making trouble mm. <laughs> right who yes there's things and you've got a pattern of a history of that going on within the team and they're pulling the culture down and the problem for some of them is that you're at, they're actually one of your highest performers. They're bringing in most of your money. <laughs> mm, right? That's interesting. That's, that's, one, that's when companies really start to go, mm. we want to get rid of them, but they're just bringing in like thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of contracts yeah. all the time. They don't get on with anyone in the team. Mm. They put other people off. Right? They're prickly. They're hard to work with. We don't want to let them go because they're mm. bringing all the money in. All right? So when you have that kind of situation, it's really you've really got to get clear on what your values as a company are mm. right and this is where you apply your values and say 
we've got some values here. You've probably seen them. <laughs> they might have been scattered around the wall somewhere. Mm. Here's how we live those. All right? And so that's not just you need to do that, but here's how we all need to start doing it. Mm. You know, and then you you increase the um, the culture of the environment such that they're either going to choose to step up or mm. leave. Right? Yeah. It's kind of that kind of does. It's really hard, though, when they're the ones bringing all your money in. <laughs> and I think in, it takes a hell of a amount of, of bravery. And I think yeah, we think about it in, you know, like in a sales team, if the top salesperson is exactly. like that. In a sports team, if the top try scorer, That's run it. scorer, goal scorer is like that. Also, I think even in, in the home, and I, I come across a few people who are in potentially negative or toxic relationships, and mm-hmm. all, but, but I can never address that problem because that person brings in most of the money or that person does this or that and it's mm. and you make a, a great point there around values aren't just something that you write on the wall and you forget about or that you print on the mugs or the t-shirts they have to be something that you that you really live and and that you exhibit every day in, in your behaviors i think that that's what really what a what a true value can be yeah and it starts with you like steve was saying don't bother trying to get them to live values that you're not living yourself as a mm. leader right forget about it Live them first yourself through your actions. They'll see that it's an important value to you. Then you can ask them about, hey, this is on the beliefs that we live here. Are you willing to... But don't go and try to say, hey, these are values. Start doing it. <laughs> Unless you're doing it yourself first. Everyone has a, a strong detective for hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And, and speaking of, of living values, I'd love to know, you know, right at the start of this conversation, we talked about get well, stay well, performing under pressure. Part of why we call this podcast Taming the Ferrets, and believe me, I had to work it out for myself, yeah, a, collection of, a collection of ferrets is called a business. And, and in our own lives, you know, we, we have to tame a number of ferrets. We have our, our work, our whanau, our hobbies, our priorities, our health, our fitness. I think so, yep. so between you both, you've got 10 children. Is that right? Yep. You've talked about... You know, long commutes, things yep. like that. You've got a, you know, a high-performing, cutting-edge business with many clients. Mm. How do you both keep well, stay well, make sure you have that right connection in, in, in your own lives? It's a continual balance. <clears throat> I guess uh, for me is I have to be intentional about it. Mm. If I allow... Uh, things just to evolve, naturally evolve, everything will be well, it will be a shambles. It will devolve. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's about routines, it's about use of time, it's about when I get out of bed. And when I get out of bed is impacted by when I go to bed. When I go to bed is impacted by am I sitting watching Netflix. Mm. Um, so I, in terms of for me, I'm reasonably scheduled and how I use my time and where I allocate my time and quite intentional about it. My wife and I have uh, <laughs> uh, coaching conversations uh, with each other quite regularly about our four different kids and who's on what journey. We do that at the beach um, without <laughs> them. <laughs> and so that's a Saturday morning activity that we regularly go and do. Um, we enjoy the environment. The dog enjoys the environment and we get to talk through what's going on. Sometimes one of us will do most of the talking and the other will just listen and then sometimes we're both contributing on different pieces it just depends on the setting or circumstance at the time so I guess um, really to sum that up for me it's about being intentional about it 
and mm. then following through on it and then making small course corrections. Mm. Like it's not like, oh, cool, I've got this in place. I can just use this format from now into eternity. No, probably not. Mm. Um, this week, this person's going to require a little bit more energy and time. Likewise for our team members, if you had our team of four sitting around the table here, so we've got four team members plus Wood and Moonite, and you ask them um, what it's like to work with us and what that looks like, you'd find some real congruency in how we go about mm. stuff, both in work and outside of work. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely that. It's definitely being intentional about the patterns and routines that we put in place and mm. continually tweak. Yeah. Um, that's definitely like that's us down to a T kind of thing. You know, that's. Mm. You talk to anyone about us, they know that oh, these guys are so structured, pattern. Da, da, da. We're always talking about patterns and consistency and routines and and doing those. And and at the same time, the paradox is being flexible enough to do other things mm. that are not your routine. Right? And so you know that's kind of for us. It's if I use the analogy of a you know like a um, rock climbing, I guess. Mm. Right. It's not about everything's all super balanced. Like if you're on a bicycle. It's more rock climbing analogy where at different points in the climb, you're going to have more emphasis on one of your your right hand, mm. <laughs> your left leg, mm. right? So there's always mm. going to be changing as where the emphasis is at any given time. But all of those are required to help you progress up right, at different times. So it's kind of a dynamic balance as opposed to a static mm. kind of balance, which everyone seems to be striving for, which <laughs> is just not real. <laughs> I'll get them all balanced, and then it'll be fine. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a perfect world, maybe, but I think you, you're both really showing how, how getting that you know, that that intention and those small adjustments can can really give us that that freedom. And I'm I'm always a big fan of saying it's it's routine and structure that gives us that freedom. Yeah. And I think you you both really show that. Guys, we're coming to the end of the conversation, and it's been. Uh, an insightful educational and, and motivational discussion i do have one more question for you which is the mystery question which we never tell our guests about and this is the part when everyone gets scared but a, a taming the ferrets uh, tradition is that the previous guest gets to write a question for the current guest cool. and cool. i haven't seen this uh, either so we have our our never stop looking up book nice. so no no expense was spared in the production of this um so the bright side is that you get to write the question for the next guest cool so uh, this was uh, was james who who wrote this one and he said if you look into the future till when you retire let's say 65 what does success mean to you cool well firstly I won't be retiring. I don't do retire. We're going to be grinding it out and continuing improving and learning and growing and developing. So retire for me is not a thing. Um, what would success look like around that time mm. is going to be um, my whānau are well, balanced across all the things that we've talked about. They have good patterns in place. They're doing things that they want to be doing. They're striving. Right? That's definitely number one, my whānau as well. I've kept myself well across all of the um, I guess holistic Toyota ways that we talk about in Tiao Māori which is you know your emotional spiritual um, mental physical social all of those things are, are at the right point for me that for me that would be success so for myself for my whānau and then it would be around my contribution 
in the work setting or in the society or in the community, um, which we do through a number of different um, entities and organisations that we're involved in, that are making valuable contribution in all those spaces. Mm. For me, that is success that not only am I in a good space, but my whanau is in a good space to the point where I'm contributing value in bigger things that are bigger than myself and my whanau. Steve? Cool. Yeah, so unfortunately, thanks James for the question. Unfortunately, I don't subscribe to the retiring um, theme either. I mean, I, I love what I do and I enjoy in that space. I, <clears throat> My wife and I constantly say that we, uh, we're coaching continually. You know, we've got the kids in there at different stages from sort of being still at primary school all the way to having finished school. And I find great joy in uh, airtime with them one-on-one. And so I enjoy that now, and I know that I will enjoy that in the future. And as they progress through different stages, you know, in their in their work and their post secondary school education journey, and finding partners and and uh, children and all of those different stages, I'm uh, really looking forward to being involved in that journey both now and through those uh, next steps that will come in the future. So success for me will be. Um, actively engaged in every member of my family's life and have a deep relationship with them. Yep. Um, likewise, the team that works with us is um, being deeply connected continually with them and helping them flourish and do well. And then I transfer that across as well for the clients that we work with. It's not a different formula for different areas in my life. It's sort of the same formula. There's certainly some... Um, if I'm doing those and they're all sustainably, economically, emotionally, physically, all of those pieces spiritually, that everyone is and I'm able to continually move between the different aspects of my life and others are flourishing, doing well as a result of me making some small contribution for them on their journey, I will feel real happy about where I'm at. Brilliant. That's great. Steve, Ulamu, thank you both so much for being part of Taming the Ferrets. If people have been listening to this this podcast and want to, to find out more about you or your business, how do they get in touch? Um, so we've got our website is uh, wellbeingandleadership.co.nz. Uh, we've got our stuff on there. We're also both on LinkedIn. Uh, it's pretty easy to find us on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, what else have we got? <laughs> Those are the two main ones. That's it. <laughs> yeah, the two main mediums you'll, you'll track us down on. Yeah. That's brilliant. Guys, it's been a, a really insightful conversation. I'd love to get you back for, for a part two in a few months' time. There's so many things we could uh, we could still cover and, and talk about. But so hopefully you've, you've enjoyed Taming the Ferrets. We've certainly loved having you here. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you in the future. Awesome. Well, thanks, Freddie. Great. Thanks, Appreciate Freddie. it. Thank you. Like what you hear? Don't forget to follow us on social media at Taming the Ferrets and to give us five stars on your podcast provider. We're New Zealand's best kept secret, but don't be afraid of sharing us with the world. This has been a WTF experience. Discover more of your favourite shows and learn how to launch your very own podcast at wtfproductions.nz.